Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Well, welcome to church. I'm Pastor Amanda, and for those of you who may not know me, alongside my husband, I'm privileged to serve as one of the associate pastors here. And are you enjoying our summer series, summer playlist series? Super fun. If this is your first time here, welcome. We don't line dance every week in church. Um, But we're just exploring a different song every week, different decade, and we're having fun because it's okay to have fun in church. It's a good thing to enjoy yourself in the Lord. And today we're going to continue our series with Achy Breaky Heart. And I, uh, I have to ask, are there any country music fans in the room today? Yes? All right. We are in St. Cloud, so this is good. We picked the right song today. I'm so glad you're here because we're going to lean in to the word. You know, when you think about having an achy, broken heart, it can be really debilitating. If you've ever been there, if you can think of your worst day, our worst days can kind of make us freeze a little bit time feels different. So we're going to look at what the word says. We're going to look at some character studies today. And when I thought about someone in the Bible with a broken heart, there are so many examples that we could read about. If you weren't here last week, our founding pastor, Dr. Gary, so beautifully taught on the life of Joseph and how Joseph over and over again encountered different things in his life that were heartbreaking. And yet he persevered to be the man of intelligence that God called him to be. And over time, we saw what God did in his life. It wasn't instant, it wasn't quick, it wasn't painless, but God was faithful. Today, we're gonna look at Jesus. Um, I think he's one of the best examples we could look at. But before we get there, just a little bit about me. I'm a church kid through and through. Been at this church almost my whole life since I was a kid. I've been in church through the highest highs and the lowest lows of my life. And right here in this building, I've celebrated some of the greatest joys. And I've also gone through the greatest heartbreak I've ever been through. And there's something about sticking with Jesus through the highs and through the lows. That's not to say I've done everything perfectly along the way or that I've always run to Jesus right away. But there's something about sticking it out with him that the, the longer you walk with him, the, the more easily you hear his heart, the more quickly you are to see his hand move in your life, even when it doesn't make sense. And so there's something about just being faithful, just showing up, even when you're brokenhearted, just leaning into God, even when you feel like I can't quite hear him, but I'm just gonna plant myself right here next to him. I'm just gonna lean in. So church today, let's just lean in. No matter where we are with our hearts, Let's lean in today. We're going to grow together. It's the heartbreaking moments of life that can tempt us to step away from that walk. Because there's so many questions when your heart is broken. There's so many difficulties we encounter in life. So we're going to address that. And what's great is God doesn't ask us to find an answer for every single thing. He just invites us to stand beside him every step of the way. So let's just be faithful to walk alongside him. 
Because after all I've been through, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I can stand here and declare that God is always faithful, even when the faithful don't feel it. God is always faithful. So our text scripture comes from the book of Hebrews. You want to turn there in your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 5. And the book of Hebrews, the context for this is that it was written to Jewish Christians. So these are Jews who have lived in Jewish culture, who understand what priests are, who understand what the traditions are, because it's been part of their culture and their nationality for a thousand years. So now we're writing to Jewish Christians. They're Jews who now believe Jesus is the Messiah. He came to fulfill all that the prophet said. And Hebrews chapter 5 explains what a high priest is in the Jewish context, and now that Jesus is our high priest. So a high priest is someone that was chosen by God. It's not like you could just volunteer for the job. God specifically chose someone to be the high priest. And the high priest was, as a human, could relate to the people of God, could relate to their faults and failures, could relate to their pains, could relate to their shortcomings and their missteps. And he could take the people's burdens, the people's hearts, the people's sacrifice, and he represented the people to God. He gave the sacrifice to God. And in turn, the high priest would receive from God, hear from God, and represent God to the people. He was the mediator and the mouthpiece, both to God and the people. And what's so beautiful is now that Hebrews 5 says Jesus is our high priest. We no longer need a person to be our mouthpiece, but we can go straight to Jesus and have instant access to God the Father. Jesus is our high priest. So we're going to pick up in Hebrews 5, verse 7, where this scripture is now referring to Jesus praying to his Father God in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was arrested and crucified. It's a pretty bad day. So the verse says, While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Today we're talking about an achy, breaky heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are here. Lord, we just pause to acknowledge your presence and we never wanna take that for granted. That because of Jesus, we have instant access to you. Thank you, Lord, that you are here with us, that you care about the condition of our hearts, that you're listening and that you're close. Lord, help us to have greater revelation of who you are, of how you work, of how you operate in your character, God. Let us lean in today as a church with broken hearts included. We lean into you and we thank you for being our healer. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember the first time I was brokenhearted. Now I'm not talking about like childhood broken heart where I was like, mom, dad, can I get the Barbie dream boat? And they were like, no, it's $60. I was like, but it has a blender. I wanted to make pina coladas with Barbie. Like the commercials made it look awesome. And they said no. It's heartbreaking. 
Um, we have lots of childhood little heartbreaks here and there along the way. But I remember my first heartbreak as a grown woman from a grown man. A boy broke my heart. I was in college, and I will name this boy. <laughs> it's not a secret. We were best friends, just doing life, serving in church together, going to college together. And everyone was always asking us, when are you guys going to get together? When are you going to get married? And my heart started opening to him. And one day, he stuck his finger in my face. His name was Justin McNeil. <laughs> and he said, Amanda, I know you have feelings for me. And I just want to be very clear. We will never, ever get together. I would be lying if I told you I was fine, because I was totally heartbroken, totally bawling. But in my head, I was like, one day, he's going to wake up and smell the coffee. <laughs> and he's going to know what he's missing out on. And that day came about five months after that conversation, so thank you, Jesus. We're okay. We've had a lot of healing since then. Um, about to celebrate nine years married, actually, which is awesome. Yeah. He's a God of miracles, amen? I remember when we were engaged, we were planning our life together. The future was bright. We were so excited about what God was doing in our lives and looking forward to the future. And then the recession hit, and I lost my job. I remember that kind of heartbreak. That's a different kind of heartbreak where something so vital for your life, I'm trying to pay for a wedding, hello, trying not to go in debt, and something like your finances being outside of your control can be really difficult. I remember a few years ago being told by a doctor that it would be very hard for us to get pregnant. That's another kind of heartbreak. It's very difficult. It's completely outside of your control. And when we face those difficult moments, it's easy for so many questions to set in. How much is my fault? How much is life's fault? I've had my heart broken more times than I can count saying goodbye to loved ones. And several of those times, I prayed fully in faith, no question in my mind, no doubt that God is our healer, that God was going to heal them. I elevated my faith to what I couldn't see, and I believed that God was going to heal these individuals, only to have God choose to heal them in heaven rather than on earth, as I prayed for. I know what it's like to have a broken heart on so many different levels. When we talk about the heart, it denotes the center of something, the center of life, the center of spirituality, the center of a thing. You think of the heart of a matter, or the heart of a tree. Even we need our hearts to live. And if your center is broken, if your center is shattered, it affects everything else because it's connected to everything. It's so hard when we have a broken heart, sometimes even to just put one foot in front of the other because we feel broken everywhere. And we've all been brokenhearted. Am I in the right church today? Yeah. yeah. We've all been brokenhearted. 
It's easy to have our hearts crushed, sometimes by our own poor decisions, and sometimes just by life, by things outside of our control. It's especially easy to get our hearts broken by our poor decisions, because we're all so capable of making them, right? You know, maybe we did something and we just didn't live up to our expectations or our parents' expectations or our spouse's expectations. And that can be so crushing. Or maybe we connected ourselves with a relationship that we had a, a bad feeling about or that someone warned us about and we did it anyway. And then we have to suffer the consequences of that poor decision. Or maybe we spend money we don't have and we saddle ourselves with debt and we're just trying to get out from under the weight of that. We're all too good at bringing poor decisions into our lives. But what's beautiful is Psalm 147.3 says that God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. There's no stipulation on this. It's not like God only bandages the wounds of the accidents. Even if you purposefully do something to wound your life, to make a poor choice and bring a consequence on your life, God doesn't reject you. If you're walking towards him, if you're running toward him with a heart of humility, with a heart asking for forgiveness, asking for help, he's not going to reject you. He bandages our wounds. He heals our broken hearts. He accepts us in spite of our missteps. Thank God, because I've had plenty of those. And that doesn't mean we're always rescued from the consequences of our poor choices. You know, we, we have to walk those out. But it reminds us, well, next time, I'm doing things a little differently. And God is with us through it all. And I'm not sure if you've been feeling rejected by God or if you feel like you've disqualified yourself because of some of the poor choices you've made. But know that God hasn't disqualified you. God sees so much potential in you. He sees his son in you. He's cheering you on and he's waiting to receive you with open arms. You can always run to Jesus, no matter what. He's there to heal. Our text scripture in Hebrews reminds us that Jesus was human. The chapter before in Hebrews says, He was tempted in all points just like us. The only difference is he did not sin. So Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to go down a slippery slope with our thought process, with our choices. He understands us. And just like our song today says, I just don't think he'd understand The enemy loves to get us into isolation. The enemy loves to trick our mindset of saying, oh, well, no one could understand what you're going through. No one could understand why you're processing this way, why you're thinking that way, why you're feeling that way. And if we isolate ourselves, we're giving room for the enemy to work because we're shutting ourselves out from the love of God. We have to open ourselves up to God and trust that he's our high priest, that he lived this human life, he walked on this earth, he saw the problems, he felt the stress, he had the relationships, he understands what we're going through. He understands you. And he's there with open arms. He can relate to us. And when we're wounded and broken by our own choices, he's there to heal us. Our hearts can be broken by life itself. And I think sometimes this is the harder one. Because, like, if I make a poor choice and then something bad happens, well, yeah, that was on me. I did that. I deserve that. Oops, my bad. But when it's outside of our control, when it's just life, when something just happens, 
I think sometimes that's harder for us to wrap our mind around because we could be doing everything right by the book. God, I've been praying, I've been tithing, I've been reading the word, I've been going to church, I gave money to that one person. Why is this happening to me? Why am I hurting right now? Why did I get betrayed? Why, did I, why is this happening? And those questions can be so suffocating and it can overwhelm us. But we've all thought those questions. We've all wrestled with them. Oftentimes, when life breaks us, it doesn't feel fair. We don't get it. There's no rhyme or reason. I had no control over the recession that made me lose my job. I had no control over my loved ones leaving this earth. And it's those moments, those deep moments of brokenheartedness where the questions rise. There are times when it's so tempting to blame God. Like, God, I believe you're all-powerful. You could have stopped that hurricane. You could have protected my loved one. You could have healed me yesterday. God, why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? I know it's already been said by Pastor Justin earlier, but I have to read it again. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You know, some other words for crushed are deformed, bruised, or crumbled. Have you ever felt like your heart was just crumbling, deformed, or bruised by life? You see, if you feel like your spirit man is weak, if you feel like your emotions are crushed, those are the exact spirits Jesus is looking to heal. Jesus says he rescues those who are crushed. He heals the brokenhearted. You see, Jesus looks for brokenness and openness so that he can move in with his power. We have to invite him in. He is our rescuer. You know, if you had heart disease, you would go to someone who is an expert in hearts, right? You would seek out the best wisdom, the best routine, the best regimen and vitamins. So if we're experiencing spiritual heart failure, or emotional heart failure, we have to go to the one who's an expert in spiritual hearts, to the one who's an expert in emotional hearts. Church, we have to run to Jesus. I know that sounds like the pastor answer or the Christian answer, but we're Christians. If we can't run to Jesus in a time of heartbreak, what other source is going to be better for us? He's the one who created our hearts to begin with. He's the one who can create in us a new heart when our hearts are broken. We have to run to the source. He's the only one who can provide healing. He's the only one who can give us a new heart when we need one. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus makes a declaration. And I love Jesus. Anybody else love Jesus? He's like, he's so humble. But there are times where he's like, I'm a G and I know it, and I'm going to let you know it. I don't even know what I'm a G means, but Jesus is cool. So uh, somebody explain that to me later. All right. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus declares. He's actually, he was handed the Bible or the Torah in temple, and this is what he was given to read. And he reads it, and he said, this is about me, and he drops the mic. I love Jesus. So this is what Jesus says. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all who are oppressed. You see, Jesus was specifically sent by God to heal the brokenhearted. That means Jesus was specifically sent for you and for me. He was sent for us. So when our hearts are broken, we must run to him. We must run to Jesus. Just a few days before Jesus prayed that gut-wrenching prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane that Hebrews referred to, we see that Jesus was invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house. And a Pharisee was a religious leader. And this Pharisee's name was Simon. And Simon, um, one account says Simon, who was a leper. Which means Jesus healed him because back in that day there was no opportunity to, there's no medicine, there was no diagnosis to heal leprosy. So Jesus had healed Simon. Simon invites Jesus over for dinner. And let's pick up in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 38. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. I think it's a beautiful contrast that Jesus is in the presence of two different believers. We have Simon, who was sick, and Jesus healed him. And we have Mary, who was broken and in need of healing. Now, I love that Simon, after he was healed, he still made room for Jesus in his life. He said, Jesus, come over, let's eat. He invited him into his life. He kept walking with Jesus. But oh, the contrast of Mary. She didn't wait for an invitation. She didn't clean herself up. She didn't get her life together and try to pretend like she was okay or, or that her situation was okay. No, she ran to Jesus broken fully evident what her occupation and her brokenness was, fully evident that she was in an emotional state because she's weeping at his feet. She broke the bottle of perfume at his feet. And later Jesus said that that brokenness, that the tears, that that breaking of the perfume was the very thing that anointed him for burial. Church, what if our brokenness is meant to be a gift laid at the feet of Jesus? that our high priest can then offer to the Father God on our behalf. You see, if we hold on to our brokenness, all it produces in our life is pain. But when we lay it at the feet of Jesus, it gives room for Jesus to work through it. God doesn't cause brokenness, but he can use brokenness. He can develop something beautiful out of brokenness. He trades beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. So if you have some brokenness in your life, it's time to run and bring it to the feet of Jesus. I love that she didn't clean herself up. She didn't hide any part of her situation. She ran to him with all that she had, the burdens, the pain, the brokenness, and laid it at his feet. You see, healing is good, absolutely. Simon was living in the healing of Jesus. But our brokenness reminds us where we need to run. Our brokenness reminds us that we so desperately need Jesus. The, the mountaintop is good, but the shadows in the valley is where our character is forged. 
It shows what's in us. It shows who we truly are and what we truly believe. So in our brokenness, church, we must run to Jesus. He's the only place to run when we're broken. We can't get it together. We have to run to him. Mary's heart was so evidently broken. She was crying all over his feet. I get annoyed when my son snots on me. Like, she was crying at his feet, and he didn't push her away. He didn't despise her. He counted it as worship, as anointing. So our brokenness is a sacrifice when we lay it at the feet of Jesus. Going back to our text verse in Hebrews, we see this is one of Jesus' worst days. He was praying in the garden. He knew what was to come. He was asking God to change the plan. He was crying out. Verse 7 said he cried in prayer. He pleaded with God. And it said God heard him because of Jesus' reverence for God. See, God hears our prayers when they're cried out in reverence toward him. And we cannot understand God and still reverence him. We cannot understand his plan and still honor him. It's all about our heart and how we approach him. Verse 8 says, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. If Jesus had to learn obedience, I have a whole lot of learning to do. If Jesus could humble himself to learn through suffering, and he took on the weight of the world, I can humble myself to learn through my own issues. We need to humble ourselves. Jesus cried and pleaded with God. I love that Jesus didn't hide anything from God. He said he weeped, he pleaded, he begged. Did you know God can handle your emotions? The good, the bad, the positive, the negative, the unbelieving. God can handle our emotions. We don't have to shield ourselves from him. He just wants us to be fully open to him. He can handle it. When I think of my worst day, a, a little handful comes to mind. And when you're truly having one of the worst days of your life, not just like a Facebook, oh, this is the worst day of my life, but like truly a worst day, it can almost be hard to breathe. It's almost difficult to take a step because you're so unsure what's real and what isn't. It's like time warps. You feel alone. You feel isolated. It's easy to go numb and to be misunderstood. And on my worst day, I got a call that my healthy, God-fearing father was in a tragic accident. I just had breakfast with him that morning, and by dinner time, he was no longer on this earth. I didn't have any mental preparation. I didn't get to say goodbye. As a teenager, I was like, who's going to walk me down the aisle? Who's going to teach me how to drive? And it was in one moment that everything changed. It was the most broken I'd ever felt in my life. And I remember crying out to God and screaming a worship song. It was probably the most hideous worship in the universe. But I remember there's only one place I can run. This pain doesn't make sense. What happened to me wasn't fair. God, I remember saying this, I said, God, my dad's favorite verse was Romans 8, 28. 
which means you cause all things to work together for good for those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. He said, God, I know I'm called. I know I love you. I know my family loves you. I don't see how you're going to bring good out of this. My heart is so broken in a million pieces. It's shattered. It's crushed. It's pulverized. I don't see how you're going to bring good. But I don't believe you're a liar. So if you say you're going to work all things together for good, prove it in my life. And God has so beautifully, I can't tell you how many times over and over and over again, used my story to bring good, to bring peace, to bring hope into the life of someone else experiencing loss. What happened was not good, but what God did through it is good. God can create beauty from ashes. He can create something good from something evil. And God told me, he said, Amanda, when people face tragedy, there's only two options. They can run towards me or they can try to run away. Because we never really can run away from God's presence. But we can try. And he promised blessing because I ran towards him. That's not to say, again, that I've been perfect, that I've run towards him every time. But if life is like a 5K, has anybody ever run a 5K before? In Florida, it's hard because it's hot. (laughs) But if life is like a 5K and we're running, (laughs) in 2012, I did 12 5Ks in 12 months with some friends. This does not impress you because I haven't run very much since then. But we were were training, we were doing good. We won some medals on one of the races because we like finished the top in our age division. We're like, yeah, we're awesome. And we go to do a a 5K in St. Pete. And we know like St. Petersburg, it's it's a beach, but they have roads there. They're not gonna make us run on the beach. We get there and we see the flags and the 5K is literally 10 feet away from the ocean. Like it's on the sand, it's on the beach. So life is like a 5K. Brokenness is like a 5K on the beach. Because every single step, it's the same step, but it's so much harder in sand. The sand shifts under your feet and it's so much more unpredictable. I'm not sure where to step. I'm not sure how to plant my feet. Everything's moving. This doesn't feel real. This isn't what I trained for. This isn't normal. But what's beautiful is if God is near to the brokenhearted, you don't have far to run. You just have to make sure you're running in the right direction. Just run towards Jesus. When you're angry, run to Jesus. He can handle it. When you have questions, run to Jesus. He'll hold you through it. When you're disappointed, when you're feeling alone, run to Jesus. He's the only one who can bring hope and healing into your situation. Run to him. He is waiting for you with arms wide open. And if you feel like your feet are deep in sand, Pastor Amanda, I I can't even move you lean towards Jesus. You lean towards him. He's close to you. He's going to catch you when you fall. He's going to be right there to hold your heart. Just this week, my heart was broken as a mama. Our three-year-old Malachi, he, um, he got swimmer's ear. He was doing his swim lessons and he got an infection and I've never had that, but the doctor was telling us and even some adults were telling us it's one of the worst pains you can have. So we're doing everything for Kai. We're like rubbing the essential oils, we're praying, 
We're giving him medicine. We got the humidifier on. We're talking to the doctor, doing everything. Because when it's your kid, you'll do whatever it takes, right? And he's laying in his bed. He's starting to feel better. And I said, baby, we're going to get your Bible. We're going to get your little picture Bible. And we're going to read about Jesus healing someone. Because we're going to elevate our faith together for Jesus to heal us. So we open his little Bible and we read about Jesus healing the paralyzed man. And as we're reading it, he's laying there in his bed and a wave of pain hits him. And he just cries out, when is Jesus going to heal me? It was the most pain I've ever heard him in. And with tears in my eyes, I said, baby, I don't know when, but I know he will. So we're just going to keep going to Jesus. We're not going to stop praying until we see him move in our life. We're going to keep trusting him. We're going to keep putting our faith in him and elevating our hope to the only one who can heal us, to the only one who can hold our broken hearts. Jesus will heal us. I don't know when. I'm not that smart. But he knows. And so we just keep running to him. Hebrews says that because Jesus suffered, he became the perfect high priest. He knows our pain. He understands us. And so because of that, we can go boldly to his throne of grace and receive all that we need. We can go boldly. You know, Mary had every reason to be ashamed of who she was, of what she had done, but she went boldly to the feet of Jesus. She didn't let the people around Jesus stop her. She didn't let the fears and the doubts in her mind stop her. She went boldly to his throne of grace and put her brokenness at his feet. We can go boldly to Jesus today, even if we tried running in the wrong direction before. All it takes is turning around. Let's run in the right direction. Let's run to Jesus today. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.